Listen to the story now. Left a good job in the city. Working for the man. Well, thanks for tuning in. This is Matt Santos of the Mile High Show. You're listening to episode uh, one. 159, and uh, this was a road trip episode. I took off uh, out of town to go to uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Not my favorite place in the world. Um, I don't know why. Just not a big, uh, not a big Vegas kind of guy. But uh, I enjoyed the road trip up. I traveled up with uh, Justin Tejan from Phoenix, a Phoenix comic. And uh, by the way, we we. Recorded a little impromptu uh, podcast to uh, Justin and I heading through Seligman and Kingman. That'll be up in a couple of weeks, and we'll uh, build that around one of uh, one of Justin's upcoming shows. He hosts a a regular every Thursday night spot at Spinelli's Pizza in Tempe. So uh, follow Justin Tejan at. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter and stuff, his uh, his name just to just to give you a, a quick uh, rundown. It's T I E T J E N Justin Tejan. Uh, follow him; he's always posting up stuff. Uh, follow him on Facebook as well. Just search that name and uh, find out where he is uh, getting on the mic in the Phoenix area. And uh, his shows typically have. Uh, have a few other, several other uh, local comics, so you get a get a chance to get the feel for the Phoenix comedy scene. And we talked a little bit about that. Like I said, that'll be up in a in a couple of weeks or so. But Justin traveled up to Vegas with me to keep me company and keep me out of trouble uh, as we went up to talk to today's guest, Mister Brant Tobler, and talk about his latest book, Free Roll. It's a great read. We met up with Brant at the MGM Grand up in a, a, a beautiful suite that they put him up in. He was, uh, he was hosting a show at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club right there at the MGM Grand. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking to Brant. I have recently gotten a chance to, uh, to know Brant a little bit uh, from seeing him perform at the Tempe Improv. Uh, earlier this year when he uh, first released his book, Free Roll, and again spent some time with him at the Big Pine Comedy Festival in Flagstaff where he was one of the featured performers. So uh, Big Pine's coming up again next uh, next September as well. They're uh, working on a great lineup, Hillary Hudson and, and Jack Galvin and the rest of the crew getting that festival uh, rolling. So uh, Google Big Pine Comedy Festival for info on making your plans for this uh, September 2018 fest. Also, in conjunction with them, the Bird City Festival, which is happening the last weekend of uh, March this year, uh, or coming March 2018, that is always a blast. The Big uh, Bird City Comedy Festival in Phoenix and the Big Pine Comedy Festival up in Flagstaff uh, in the spring and then again in the fall. A great chance to see comics from all over the country as well as uh, some great hand-picked uh, Arizona comics as well. So check those out. And uh, again, that's where I had gotten to spend some time with Brant Tobler. And it was a pleasure talking with him and, and kind of the process of how he went through to uh, to get this book free roll 
in print and uh, and the driving forces behind motivating him to do so, uh, including Brad Garrett himself. And he talks about a lot of uh, a lot of that. We don't get too specific into the book because uh, you can hear him talk about those on other podcasts and uh, of course on stage he relates those stories but what we really want you to do is get out and buy the book so you can uh, get that by clicking the links in the in the show notes here Brant Tobler's Twitter page has a link to it his uh, his Instagram his Facebook uh, Brant Brant's Bookstore, I think, is the website. He's he's uh, across the board at Brant Tobler, but uh, I just checked, and his BrantTobler.com looks like it's down for some maintenance, so uh, that'll be up and running. But hey, how about this? Why not use the Amazon link at MileHighShow.com, and you can click it on MileHighShow.com or right here in the show notes to pick up your own copy of Free Roll through Amazon, through Mile High Show. It helps us uh, go on road trips like we did to Vegas. It helps us cover some of those costs. So thank you to Brant. I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, Justin, thanks for uh, taking the trip with me. And uh, thank you all for listening. So uh, check out my conversation with Justin Tejan and the great Brant Tobler. Oh, Brant will be in Phoenix this month, just in a couple of weeks, uh, let's see, um, the Tempe Improv with Ian Bag on December 21st, and then December 22nd and 23rd at Phoenix's Stand Up Live again with Ian Bag. Uh, two shows on the 22nd and 23rd. So check out Stand Up Live uh, in Phoenix and Tempe Improv for the best in uh, in national com- uh, comedians coming through. Arizona. So here's my talk with Brant Tobler and Justin Tejan. Thanks for listening in and uh, pick up a copy of Free Roll through uh, through our Amazon link at MileHighShow.com. Kick out where where folks can find you: Instagram, Twitter, yeah, web, everything. You can find me uh, just at Brant Tobler, B R A N D T T O B L E R, and that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I have BrantTobler.com, but I don't really use it that much. Yeah. So Links to everything on there, though. I yeah, think, yeah. I and then uh, I just wrote a book called Free Roll that you can get on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, uh, anywhere you sell books. Did you do the uh, the audio? Yeah, I how, did. How was that? What kind of process was that? Well, first off, before that even, uh-huh. just an excellent read. Oh, thank and you. Is there a – do you have an Amazon link? Like a f- affiliate for your no, web? No, no, no. Oh. It's just on there. Well, good. Then go to milehighshow.com. Yeah. Use that Amazon link and get it. Yeah. Do you? And then if you get it, just please leave a review because I'm yeah. up to like 92 reviews. I'd, I, I'd like I to have get to 100. not. I, I'll do that. Thank I'll you. make sure. I appreciate it. Um, Justin, please do that. Is there, <laughs> yeah. is there a, a better way for people to get it that benefits you better? Like, do you get a better cut if they go directly to uh, you or Amazon? Yeah, you or? can go through Brandt's bookstore, but you don't have to do that. It's easier. Just go through Amazon. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, if you go through Amazon, it'll get to you in like a day or however gotcha. that works. Where if I get it, then let's say I'm on the road, then I got to go. I mean, I could make more money, but I just want people yeah. to get the book and, and enjoy it. So, or, uh, yeah, or Audible is an easy way to get it. Then I don't yeah. have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> just do the download. Yeah. How, what was the process? Walk me through that. I'm, so, I, I'm interested in how, because Billy O'Connor mm-hmm. and I were talking, he's started doing that on. 
his new in the Mick, and yeah. he's going through and doing confessions as well. Yeah. What was, so how did you attack that? I reached out to, uh, I have a friend who is a radio producer, and then I asked her, uh, or uh, she recommended it, which was funny because I had some friends who were like rappers, and they said that uh, I could just do it, and they'd give me like a discounted rate. <laughs> and I was like, I was going to do it just as a broke comedian, but then... Uh, Luckily, it would have been it would have been interesting to see how it went because you know parts of the book get pretty emotional and I I didn't yeah. realize how emotional I would get during the book and I started to cry and it made me wonder if I was with the rappers if they had just been laughing like <laughs> oh you had a bad dad uh, so you know so or if they would have got emotional. I didn't even have one <laughs> yeah but then I did it with two uh, with a girl a radio producer that um, Jill Kimmel's best friend who was just a friend of mine so then we yeah. And it was funny because the night before they were like, hey, you should go home and rest, quit drinking. I was like, for what? It's my book. I'll be able to read yeah. it. It's not, I'll do it in one take, you know? And then, uh, and then I got there and it was the hardest thing. I had two nine hour days and it was just so hard and so frustrating because I would say, like, you know, my name's Brant Tolber and I'd read Tramp Bobler and I would be like, <laughs> how am I not reading my own, what I wrote? So it was, uh, it was frustrating to, um, I just didn't know how hard it was. It was yeah. just two, and I finished both days at like eight o'clock. Drove back to where I was staying, and was asleep by eight forty-five. Yeah, <laughs> it just conked me out, and I thought it would be easy. I was like, it's just talking, but yeah, it's just that, re- re- repetitive. You know, I mess up a sentence, start over. So, is it a straight read of the book? Do you add anything to it? Any commentary, like a no, like a director's cut or anything? I didn't on this one. The one thing that she did, which I thought was great, was because I made so many mistakes. She would keep those mistakes, and then she put a blooper reel at the end. Oh, nice! But you know, there was parts that because there's parts of the book that I kind of do as stand up on stage, part of mm-hmm. the stories. So during that part, I didn't read. I would just try to be more natural and perform it for the audible book, but. As opposed to a yeah. word for word, yeah. but for that first book, for the first Audible book, um, I think I learned a lot. I would be more yeah. free with it, but it was just such a uh, such a process. So yeah. I learned a lot. In this next book, I'll uh, I'll try to be more. I think I'll be more comfortable. And this one, yeah. the next book's more entertainment. Where this one was, you know, a memoir about my life. So it was very important to have it you know, red clean and have the kind of yeah. go in order and everything. So you, I, I'm a little late getting in the Brant Tobler game mm-hmm. and I know you had spent time in Phoenix and, and yeah. I've seen Jill Kimmel perform a lot and I've talked to her and I knew you guys had a connection. Uh, but I, I became more aware of you hearing you on podcasts and things. I think mm-hmm. crab feast. Yeah. You were on, um, uh, Steve Simone's good times. Yeah. Yeah. And and some others just and and hearing your story. So then I started, you know, googling YouTube. I got a chance to see it at the Tempe Improv, not yeah. that long ago. And then took some incredible yeah. pictures for me. That was a lot of fun. Which man. I still those <laughs> pictures are great. I still oh, thanks. I use them on all my Bumble and Tinder accounts. Cool. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't work, but it's so not. It's my I'm bio. Living vicariously yeah, you, through, through your hookups. You make me about. <laughs> you make me look about as good as I can. So I appreciate it. Well, but the 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 stories. I mean, I, I, I and not being a comic, but a mm-hmm. comedy fan. Uh, you know the difference between a, a stand-up joke teller and a storyteller. You know, both for me as a fan are incredible to listen to, and I really enjoy it. But I'm really drawn to the storytellers. So uh-huh. listening to you specifically, like on Crab Feast, that's a great uh, yeah. a great venue to hear people just get deeper into into their roots and stuff. I 
I didn't really know what to expect when I got your book as far as, you know, I knew it would be entertaining mm-hmm. and I knew it would be, I would be laughing and stuff, but hearing you talk about it and then watching you on stage and then reading it, uh, while they are similar, you know, some of them are the same stories I heard you tell on stage, the w- I was too getting, you know, getting emotional yeah. reading it, the, the, Way you and I'm probably gonna miss it. Was it Ron, your stepdad? Yeah, you know, you got it. The the relationship you had with him and and the early part of the book of of without giving too much away, we want people to go out and get the book. But the trials that your your mom and your family had with your with your biological yeah, yeah. father. Yeah, my just, it was, yeah. I mean, uh, we can just tease it a little yeah. bit, but yeah, I just had an awful dad that was uh, really <laughs> really bad to my mom and my brother and I as a kid, and then he went away. Yeah. To college, college is what my mom called it, but of course it was prison. And then, uh, kind of the rest of the book is me trying to connect and have a relationship yeah. with my father, and the ups and downs of that till to the point when I eventually try to kill my father, and you know it doesn't work, and we try again. And, and uh, that was here, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. here, here. So my being father in Vegas. is here somewhere in Vegas, which is always still- weird for me to um, come here because I haven't spoken to my father. You know, in 17 years, but just the fact I know he's here, yeah, and uh, you know, my name's on the marquee and stuff, so he could, yeah. you know, he could find me at any time, yeah. but I don't think I think he's probably uh, ashamed and just probably, I don't know, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what he thinks, but yeah. I've always had that. And there's a moment in the book where I didn't see my father for like eight or nine years, and then I met him at an airport, which was one of the weirdest moments of my life because I, I was, it was before 9-11, so you could go gate to gate. Yeah. I didn't even know what my own dad looked like. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's conceivable that my father could walk by me right now and I wouldn't really know it because I don't know if he has long hair, a beard, or... Or I mean, be in I don't the back know. of a show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, he was he's always been a drug addict and, like, these tickets are expensive, so I don't <laughs> imagine him ever coming to this place, but... Uh, he might know a guy. But, yeah, he, uh, you know, and he's always had his problems with drugs and alcohol and stuff so and i know he had like hepatitis c or something a family member told me years ago so uh he could he could show up at any time yeah i'm waiting for i'm waiting for a phone call to say he's he's dead is what i hope for which i know is very aggressive to say but if you read the book you just understand my dad's just a really bad person he's been bad to everybody he's came across in life so I just think the world would be a better place. <laughs> and I know that's aggressive to say, but if you once you read the book or yeah. if you ever met my dad, he's just not a good person. And it's like three you give people chances, but I mean how many chances do you gotta give a person? Yeah. It's like I think enough is enough. So that's why I, I just would hope that a family member would call me. But the thing is I don't really talk to that side of my family because they took my dad's side when he uh you know, my dad's a very smooth talking, charming dude, so it's it's caused a it's just been a weird a weird life <laughs> yeah and that that's something you you people wonder about and it's talked about when 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 a, a like specifically a woman's in a in a relationship that's that's toxic like that yeah and say why do you you know why, why don't you just leave why don't you just leave and the way you wrote it and the way you recalled that that time of her life and your early life really brought that out is how somebody could be yeah. manipulated like that and it came across very well it was really very well written yeah that was it because uh that was you know from uh, age of birth to like five is what you're talking about and i didn't know any yeah. of that so then i just had to sit down and, and interview my mom and have her tell me the stories what was her what was her 
take on knowing you're putting or now at the time when you were doing that was it for the book or was yeah it no just it was for, for the yourself? book it was for the book but what what was her take on that would you know i was don't she know welcoming to that yeah i mean i think a lot of people you know it'll talk about it in the book too i'm a junior college dropout. I don't. I think yeah. when I said I'm writing a book, a lot of people didn't believe I would write a book. <laughs> so, as a comic, you know, a lot of comics are just. I'm. I shouldn't speak for all comics, but I'm lazy procrastinator. <laughs> I've have big dreams that don't always come true. So, when I told my mom I was writing this book, she was probably like, I don't know what she thought. And then uh, when it happened, I think she was surprised. A lot of people. That's the compliment I've gotten from a lot of my friends. It's kind of a backhanded compliment, but they all say, hey, man, I was going to buy your book no matter what to support you, but it's really actually good. <laughs> so it's, that makes me laugh to know that they didn't think it would be good, and they're just great people yeah. that wanted to support me, but then they caught a bonus because it actually turned out really good. <laughs> but it's been a weird thing. Everybody that's in the book doesn't read the book for some reason. Huh. Have you told everyone that they're in the book? Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, but I've there's like five or six key people in the book yeah and i've they've told me like when they get to their parts or maybe reading about themselves because i don't think any of my my family on my mom's side like i don't talk to anyone on my dad's side really but anyone on my mom's side has even got through it all which i don't i don't know Hmm. it's weird but i guess i mean i was in a book at one point and i never read it what was that uh it's called uh lay the favorite it was a book about our gambling lifestyle here. And I was only yeah. just in a short spot. And like, I know I'm in Stanhope's new book. Oh, cool. But I think it's just short. But I don't know what that is. I don't know why that is. Huh. But I, I, the reason I ask is because I, and not on the scale that, that you're doing, but in the exposure you're doing. But I do, I'm a journalist by trade. I was a reporter mm-hmm. and a photographer for, for news agencies for decades longer than I care to admit. <laughs> but in, Prescott, I one of my one of my roles, one of the things I got the opportunity to do was a weekly column for the paper in there. And when they asked me to do it, I didn't know what I was going to do it on. I you know I hate politics of any kind, so yeah, yeah. I didn't want to do like that kind of stuff. So I just kind of did it on my life living in a small town. I live outside of Prescott, the big city of ten thousand people. Yeah, and I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay Area of a small town of one hundred fifty thousand. And so just a lot of what I wrote about was me uh, making the adjustment. Uh-huh. And so I would write about my wife a lot. And then in the course of that, we had a son at, at, a, at an old age, basically. Uh-huh. He was, I was 44 when he was born, 43 when he was born. And uh, my wife never reads anything I do. Really? Anything I write. And then after that, I started doing radio in Prescott. Uh-huh. And now the podcast... She's never listened to the radio show. She's never listened to a podcast. Yeah. But when she she was walking, something happened. She walking through. She's walking through the Safeway in Chino one day, and this when my son was maybe a year old, and she comes home. She goes, "You're not gonna believe what happened. <laughs> I'm I'm in line, and this old man walks up and goes, "Hey, you must be Anthony," and he's touching my son and uh-huh. pulling his cheeks, and then go, "Oh, you must be Sandra." And she goes, "I don't know who you're. What don't." Don't touch my baby. What? Who yeah. are you? He goes, oh, I read about him all the time in the paper. And I've, I recognized this picture because she didn't realize that in yeah. the columns I'd put pictures. <laughs> she came home. She was furious. Oh, really? So she really? sat down at the, she sat down on the computer and went on because they were all, at that time, they were all online. 
They removed them after I quit. Hey, that's odd. <laughs> they wiped out everything. That oh, I really? Did. Yeah. Do you still have them somewhere? I yeah, I've got electric electronic yeah, files. Should put them together into a book. Yeah. Well, I they weren't that good. <laughs> they were, but I so she gets online and starts reading them. Uh-huh. And she spent about four hours reading all these columns. She didn't speak to me for like three days. Yeah, that's great. And it was it was stuff you know just talking about life at home. She goes, "Why are you telling people about now with?" A lot of comics, yourself, a lot of the storytellers, obviously talk about their lives. You did in a very detailed way in your book, yeah. free roll that you can get on Amazon. Throwing a little <laughs> commercial there, uh, and I was just curious how they. Yeah, you know, I changed most people's names, and I wrote pretty positive about most people. One person, I've had one backlash of one dude from the book, but I mean, whatever. Like yeah. part of it is there is little parts that I weren't flattering for everybody involved but that was half of what they really did yeah we both know (laughs) we both know i could have told some real stories you know so and i change everyone's names and um and then you know part of me is like if you don't like it write your own book you know yeah And, and you know there's you're writing a book to entertain and you know i think i i just don't know why some people just some it's just been weird everybody like they said they read it and then they're like i'll let you know what i think and the people that are in it never let me know what they think everybody else reads it and says we love it but that, i don't know what, that must it's be just their so, way of letting you know what they think well yeah but but some of the people it was very flattering it wasn't um you know i like i said i everyone was pretty flattering in it besides like my father and like a yeah. few of the people but i don't care about those are people i yeah. don't expect to hear from but i don't know the whole thing if you're listening and you're thinking about writing a book, just do it, man. Yeah. It's it's the it was the most rewarding thing I've ever done. I'm so proud of it. I, there's a vulnerable moment when you finish and you're like, "What if nobody buys this?" Yeah, and then you're like, "Then it just hit me like, even if they don't, who ca- I wrote a book, man. I have a book, and it's right. crazy. I remember when I got the copy of it. I was sitting in a Chick Fil A in Phoenix, <laughs> and I'm holding it, eating my sandwich. I just started crying. I was like. I did it, man. I I wrote a book, and no one can ever take that away. So, you know, if you're listening, and I should have never wrote I never thought I'd write a book. You know, I'm an idiot. (laughs) And then I would just write, you know, write a 1,000 words a day was the goal. Some days I would get 1,200. Some days I'd get 200. But I tried to, you know, and it took me a long time. And, if you know, I'm just a procrastinator, and I'm lazy. and (laughs) But it started to come together, and then as it gained momentum, you know, just like, doing stand-up and stuff i'm sure justin you're just like you start and then you just you know i started with one joke (laughs) now i can do 90 minutes if i need to we were talking about both of those things last night while we were sitting down at the casino i i've had projects and i've had a couple of things that i have wanted to turn into both non-fiction and fiction yeah one was a collection and just never get get it done it's just one of those things they've been sitting on Literally those, what are they, the five and a half I must half have been too floppies. drunk because I don't remember it is. <laughs> those five and a half yeah. inch floppies, I still had them, scrolled away all the way to the little little, yeah. little ones. And yeah, it's just starting, man. If you're listening, just start. Just write, just yeah. start it. It's like stand-up. Once you get up like maybe twice, you're hooked. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. want to keep doing it. And that's kind of with the book, too. As it, as it started to grow, I was like, oh, this is, I have a chapter. This is cool. And I was like. I mean, I have five chapters now, and then it yeah. became like, oh, I'm at 30,000 words. This is like, yeah. you know, and I, I set a goal of like 65,000. So, you know, which I 
was about like 300 pages. I was like, I wanted like a 300 yeah. page book. I don't want a little book. So knowing I did the research and I figured that was like about 65,000. So that was the end goal. So, you know, at like even if I wrote 5,000 a week, then I'm like, well, you know, get that first. I got 12 more weeks. Yeah. yeah. If I could do it. And then, of course, some, some weeks I wouldn't write anything because I just suck at that. But <laughs> if you're disciplined, it's not, you know. And the same with stand-up, a chicken out, chicken out, chicken out. Yeah. And then eventually I invited enough people to the show that I couldn't chick out. I had like 12 people there. And I had a couple <laughs> beers. I was like, all right, I got to go. And then luckily, yeah. luckily it went good the first time. And nice. then that was... Then I was hooked. And what year was that? When did you start? Uh, I don't know. It was probably like 10 years ago. Ten. I started here in yeah. Vegas. I wanted to start in Phoenix, but I didn't know. You know, growing up in Wyoming, people are always like, did you dream of being a comic? I'm like, no, I didn't. There's not comedy in Cheyenne, being Wyoming. A, being a point guard, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I want to be a point guard. I want to be a PE teacher. Well, I want to be an NBA player, which was ridiculous for <laughs> yeah. a six-foot-tall white guy from Wyoming. But then, I mean, I wanted to be like a PE teacher, and I moved to Phoenix to play college basketball at a little junior college and be a teacher. And then one of my friends said, you should be a comedian. And I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And I had this fear of... So then once I had that thought in my mind, occasionally I'd get on a microphone and just talk. But when I would hear my own voice amplified on a microphone, yeah. it would make my eyes water. So I was like, I can't be like a crying comedian. So that was like my biggest fear at the beginning was I'd talk. And then when I heard my voice, for some reason, I, that's just how my body reacted initially. And then I was like, I can't just sit up there and cry while I'm making dumb jokes. And then, uh, and I just didn't know, you know, like I, did, I just didn't know how to do it. I wish they taught yeah. like a class or something. I mean, I guess there was, but I didn't even know yeah. how to find it. Like, I don't think classes are that great for comedy because I think, essentially, you just get on stage and write is how you become a comic. But as much as I used to hate on classes, I guess if I would have found one, you would have at least just got the ball rolling. Yeah. Which would have been totally different, you know? Yeah, I think classes uh, are good, but they only can go so far. Yeah. And then you have to do the rest. Yeah, I agree. Just little stuff like moving the mic stand stand back and, like... You know, get you to the like with the confidence of this is the procedure. Now let's work on the content, and they'll probably just tell you where the open mics are, and then they usually have a showcase at the end of the class. Yeah, so then you can have your first show because it's very intimidating. When I went to these back then, when I started here, there was only one open mic, so you would go, but then you know, comedy is very clicky, and everybody knows each other, and you're just like the outsider. It, it was just like, uh, you know, it was very intimidating. And that's why I chickened out a couple of times. It was after everything happened with my dad. And I would use that dumb excuse like, oh, my dad's really sick. I can't. <laughs> I, that's how I chickened out. And then people are like, what if your dad really got sick because you said that? I'm like, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> like the reverse jinx. My dad got yeah. hit by a bus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to your book, without giving away too much detail, what was your favorite chapter to write? Uh... <laughs> well, the kind of the the not real answer is the last one because then I was like, I did it. Yeah. But you know what? The a uh, uh, good part. I tell you what. My favorite part to write was the acknowledgments because I got to thank a lot of people that I didn't. I wouldn't even made it this far without those people. So in a weird way, that was the easiest one to write, which isn't really a chapter. Yeah. But it was cool to be like, oh yeah. You know, as I wrote their name down, I got to think, yeah, this person, you know, because, you know, as a comic, it's just hard, man. You're sleeping on couches, doing laundry yeah. in weird people's houses, sleeping <laughs> in airports, rarely getting home. Like, you don't make any money. So, uh, as, like, 
kiss it, but as an answer that is that part was very special to me but i guess the first part um going learning what my mom went through to to you know help us survive just that my dad was that bad a person and that she the stuff the sacrifices she made yeah which is stuff i didn't know from the age of zero to five was like uh it was, it was, you know, I guess that was the most meaningful to me because it just gave, you know, I always loved my mom, but it just made me realize, man, it was a, you guys went, she went through a lot because my dad was yeah. so bad. How how were those conversations when you were, were when you're interviewing her? So you know, to it's speak. weird. Like, she wasn't that emotional about it. We were, my, my little brother works at a crack, or he, at the time he worked at Cracker Barrel in uh, Sun City, Arizona, and we. I brought my laptop and my mom and I just sat in the rocking chairs in front of a, <laughs> a and waited for my brother to get off work and I asked her and you know she didn't she didn't get really emotional during it and I didn't either. I think I was more fascinated when she was telling me the stories. But then like I said when I read and I wrote it and I rewrote it and it never I mean it made me sad, but it didn't phys- like physically make me sad and then when I was reading the audible book, when I read those words out loud I just fell apart at like two parts and then the the two girls that were helping me with the audible book are just sweet, sweet girls. So of course they fell apart. So then there's just three of us just (laughs) blubbering in this station. Like, and you know, you can hear it a little in the audible book. I wish a a little bit, I would have left it in there. Totally left it in there. Keep the rawness. I don't know if you could even understand me at like, which those are pretty important parts. I think, that I was crying so much that it would have been hard to understand. Did they so, make the blooper roll? No. None of, think, the, none of the crying? No, I don't know what she did with it. I think we were all shocked, like, because she, she, the two ladies helping me hadn't read the book. So that was kind of a weird part about it yeah. is they were very intrigued. As I was reading, they were like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And then I think it all hit us at the same time, and then... They were like, let's just take a break. Are you okay? And came and gave me hugs and stuff, which was very sweet. Uh, so I know she didn't cut that into because uh, it's just not that funny. Yeah. <laughs> now, and I, I'm recalling from hearing you on other shows and things, and I may be wrong, but did the genesis of the book start here? Yeah. So it started with Brad Garrett. Um, so Brad Garrett's godson and uh, sound guy. Ed and Dre are, are just good buddies of mine. So, you know, a lot of times in the green room, I'm usually hosting or featuring when I'm here. So I have 45 minutes to an hour while the headliner's on stage. So a lot of times I just tell stories in the green room. And then these guys heard the stories, and then they were like, uh, man, Brad needs to hear these stories. So then one night I was, you know, broke comic, and uh, the feature was driving back to L.A., and I should have just rode with her, but some reason my instincts are like, just stay here, and yeah. I got to have this room for one more night. When I was sleeping <laughs> on a pull-out couch in uh, <laughs> in L.A., in this room, you guys listening, yeah. it's, uh, they give us an incredible suite. So part of yeah. me was like, I want this king-size bed and this beautiful suite. <laughs> but then when the show ended, Brad's like, hey, you guys want to go out? And he usually doesn't do that because he, you know, he's just always so busy. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, of course. And then so we walked to the casino with Brad Garrett, which is crazy because I was behind him. And he's, you know, 6'10". Yeah, he's yeah. tall. So then the second people walked by him, they're like, oh, that's that's a guy that's, you know. And we went to the center bar in the middle of uh, the casino and we sat down and he doesn't drink. And he ordered us drink. You know, he said, get whatever you want. And we all three ordered like Coors Lights. And then he ordered like a fruit drink. And he's like, all right, man, I've heard about these stories. Let's hear them. And I started uh-huh. telling these stories. And at like the hour mark, it was crazy because he's just like listening to every word. I'm just telling him story after story, and I'm in my head. I'm like, 
man, this is like a celebrity just hanging yeah. on every word. And then at about the hour mark, he stops and he goes, calls the waitress over, orders another drink, and then he goes, uh, "You guys ever have Louis the Thirteenth? And we're like, <laughs> "No." And and uh, for the listeners that don't know, Louis the Thirteenth yeah. is like the most expensive shot. So he calls the waitress over, and he asks the waitress, he goes, "Hey, how much is a shot of Louis?" And the waitress is like three hundred and seventeen bucks a <laughs> what? shot. What? And Louis's like, and I mean, Brad's like three seventeen a shot. And the lady's like, "Yeah, sorry, Brad, I can't really do yeah. anything." And he goes, "All right, give me three of them." And he orders us three, each a shot of this three, you know, which was crazy because then Dre almost spilt his and we were laughing like, that's like $80 you almost spilt on the table, you know. But so then I finished the rest of the stories and then he says to me, you know, we stand up and he says, um, you know, that's a movie. What you have is a movie. Yeah. And he goes, I'm not going to promise you anything, but if you want to, why don't you just write me like 30 pages of stories and... uh and I'll see what I can do. You know, not promise anything, but yeah. I'll see. And I was like, okay, cool. And I went home. And at the time, I was staying with Jeff Dye, another comedian, mm-hmm. yeah. who's the host of Better Late Than Never, a show on NBC. The premiere is actually this Monday, the, the 11th uh, of December. But then Bradshaw. It, yeah, Terry Bradshaw, yeah. George Foreman, William Shatner, Henry Winkler. So he let me live with him because I was, used to be his opener. So he was going to shoot the show in like Asia. So I had his place for a month. And I just stayed home that whole month in L.A. And I didn't drink or anything. And I just wrote to yeah. get those 30 pages. And the crazy thing is I finished the 30 pages. And at the time I had a Fitbit. And I was real big on getting my like 10,000 steps. So I yeah. finished writing. I was like, okay, it's like 1030. I have an hour and a half left. I need to go out and get some more steps to make my goal. So I leave Jeff's uh, building. And I go for a walk to this park. About 10 minutes into my walk, my best friend, Justin, who, who's in the book. And uh, he lives here. And he works at Sushi Samba. Uh, in the Palazzo, mm-hmm. of a real high-end sushi restaurant. And he texts me. He goes, your boy Brad Garrett's in here eating dinner. Yeah. And I was like, no way. And I was like, who's with him? He's like, it's just him and his girl. And I was like, what's his tab at right now? And he's like, it's like $138. I was like, well, okay, try not to get him to spend one more dollar. Because at the time, <laughs> I, had like five, I had like $500 to my name. But I was like, I want to pick up his dinner. But so try to cut him off. And uh, he's like, all right. And then uh, he said, I'll let you know. And then he text me back I'm then I'm on this walk and then he texts me back and uh and he goes okay he's done it's 138 I go okay I want to pay it you know here's my credit card number you know like pretty much 25% of what I have in life yeah. but I wanted to just show my appreciation cuz guys like Brad Garrett you don't get to say thank you and I was like just do it and then uh they bring out the ticket to him and they're like uh, Mr. Garrett um uh Mr. Tolbert paid for your meal as a, just to say thank you for, and he was like and right when they told him that he was like oh no <laughs> why would he do that he doesn't have any money why would he do that this and is half he, of a shot yeah, and, then he, and then he texts me uh, he's like who do you think you are Steve Wynn and like he, then he was like that was so nice of you you didn't have to do that then of course he was funny and there he's like luckily my girlfriend had a tapeworm so the bill wasn't that high because he has a beautiful little small girlfriend that probably doesn't eat that much but it was just, he was just so sweet about it so then and then i brought the 30 pages to him like i was actually coming to vegas the next day um for his charity poker tournament and then I, so i gave him to him and then he you know he helped me with them but then he's just so busy you know he has his own life yeah. and everybody's always pulling at him so he's like hey man this is good but what you need to do is write a screenplay or write a book yeah and i didn't know how to write a screenplay so I was like, oh, i'll just write a book <laughs> not knowing how hard it would be and then uh and then I wrote it, and um, you know, so when it was done, that was another special thing to get to sign a book and give it to him, and yeah, 
and and just you know and he texts me he's like in france or something he texts me yesterday and he said i heard the book's doing good and i'm like this book never happens without you you know i can't yeah. think but he's just so humble he's like oh you would have got there on your own and all this but i wouldn't have because what, like the reoccurring theme in this podcast i'm lazy i don't do anything <laughs> but when a celebrity tells you to do something or someone you really look right. up to they don't have to be a celebrity but when he said get me 30 pages you know because i've been telling these stories forever and people are like hey can i help you write a screenplay can i you know but i don't try i don't know i just didn't want to yeah. give it to you know I, if i did the crap piece or something i'd have screenplay writers reach out to me yeah like hey can i write your life story i was like well i don't even know you and why do we i did all this i'm a writer I'll just write it myself is what I would say, but yeah. then I just never did it. So, But then That's luckily some... Brad gave me a little push to do it. So, yeah. Did he read it? Yeah, I assume. I mean, he read it through the process of it, so I would assume he read it all, but um, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I know he he read like the first 30 pages, and he's like, it's good. But then he's like, you have a writing style. And the first 30 pages, I didn't go through edits, you know? So right. like, it was probably sloppy. So I imagine, I can't speak for Brad, but I imagine he was like, Okay, yeah, he's got these stories, but this needs a lot of work, which it did, you know. And being a broke yeah. comedian, I had to call in every favor. <laughs> so I just reached out on Facebook, said, "Hey, any teachers want to help me?" And then I sent it out, and like Jill Kimmel edited it, and I have some like fans that edited it for me. And then eventually, two of uh, two of my close friends growing up, one in New York and one in Denver, uh, two girls, I sent it to them, and they edited it for me, and they gave me a, an, a woman's point of view, which I needed. Gotcha. Which was very key because especially, they're like, "Hey, you should maybe take this out." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't even think like especially that." Especially with your mom being yeah, so yeah. crucial in there, yeah. So that was that was really important. And once again, I had two girls from Wyoming, and then a uh, three girls from Wyoming, and Brad Garrett are what made this book because two of them edited it, and my other friend Nikki Ward, who lives in Boulder, is incredible. Did the did the cover art, did the setup in the book, did everything. So, you know. Once again, I guess that goes back to the, to my favorite part was the acknowledgments at the yeah. end because I got to tell them, like, hey, you know, those four people, I got to tell them, hey, this book never happens. You know, I think in the end of the book, I'm like, without you three ladies and Brad Garrett, this is just a bunch of words on a stolen hard drive in Mexico. You know, <laughs> you guys got it to this. So, yeah. if, you know, it's, you know, don't, don't be scared to ask for help because, you know, your friend's you know, we'll just be nice in life and then your yeah. friends will always help you, you know, and that's obviously most common advice. I don't, I don't, I'm sure your listeners know that, but I will say, you know, I wouldn't, I've, everything I've happened to me is because of people have helped me. So I, and I don't ever forget that. And that, that feeling, that appreciation comes through in the book when you're specifically, and I, this kind of, cause it, Whenever I read anything, you know, your your perspective changes. Mm-hmm. I've reread stuff I read 20, 25 years ago, and it, I have a whole different take on it after being married, after being a father, and yeah. you just kind of go, oh, this is this is different than I remember it. And uh, <laughs> my favorite portion of your stories that I've heard on podcasts mm-hmm. and in the book was the, the Malfia. And because uh, I used to, uh, that was there was a period of time when I wasn't the most upstanding gentleman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a, a mix between you and your father in uh-huh. a lot of ways. Some extreme substance abuse, and uh, I grew up in the in the you know I, I was in high school in the early eighties, and so yeah. the late eighties and nineties was uh, 
not not the best time for me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of partying, a lot of the same things your dad was doing. And I, in in reading your book, I, I was making, you know, I'll go through and you know highlight things and uh-huh. circle, making little notes in the margin. My son Anthony, I just wrote in there. I said, Anthony was tw- it was it was a point when you were talking. I don't remember the exact instance, but it was obviously connected with your dad's cocaine use and disappearing yeah. and and you being you know sitting there waiting for your dad to come and he never showed up to a game or to yeah. pick you up or whatever and uh i'm i wrote in the margin i said anthony is 20 years away from being brant in this story because uh-huh. had i had a child at you know 18 yeah. 19 20 that's that what yeah. he would have grown up in and i it got me i'm really going wow what what an idiot i was yeah and how thankful i am that he came along so late in my life yeah for sure and knowing my wife stuck through me through so many you know we've been yeah. married almost 25 years and yeah i i wasn't the best guy when we got married well, we were you know i'm like like you said in the book I don't know. It's not fair to just say I was young, but I mean, obviously, I'm 40 years old. I wouldn't make the decisions I made at 20, <laughs> and then looking back on them and writing about them. But uh, I don't know. They weren't well, like the mafia. Just to sum it up, is <laughs> I ran like a big a crime thing in a mall where I uh, where I just uh, started small and then became humongous. Where I <laughs> Would trade out stuff for my stores to other stores, so I got everything for free yeah. and ran this big. Uh, what ended up being like a six hundred thousand dollar inventory heist yeah. by a twenty year old kid. But but I'm a, but I live in a different world of like I wouldn't I wouldn't you know rob from you guys. But I'm like very anti corporate. And I mean, Make I sure think I look for off, my cameras yeah, before we no, go. <laughs> that comes off in the book, like I. Uh, and I guess I was just working in the corporate world. I realized they just don't care about you at all. Yeah. So I don't really care about them. Like I don't. I would never rob a, rob a mom and pop, but like I had no problem robbing that Dillard's because they <laughs> didn't care about me at all. You well, know. And I got sidetracked when I was saying because when I was saying about your appreciation uh-huh. coming through and your and your morals, ethics, whatever you want to call it. Because even when you were doing that, what comes through for for the reader while I was reading it was. As you're reflecting on how you're making a mom feel when yeah. you're giving their son a hat, yeah, or you know your friends who didn't have anything, yeah. I mean, granted, you were not advocating <laughs> theft or, or well, yeah, I guess pilfering. that's my way of of uh, of. But it was coming from like my theft is okay. But I mean, my friends were broke. I got to hook up single moms. <laughs> like it's a corporation that makes they don't care about. Any, I mean, they uh, well, why is a shirt ninety five dollars anyway? Yeah. It's like they don't. I, I mean, nine dollars from the kids yeah. in Taiwan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like in my head, I had no problem, you know. And it's like, uh, I think it was on the show The Wire, but every every guy has a different code, or every person yeah. has a different code in mind. Like I never litter. I've never smoked a cigarette, but I would rob a hundred thousand dollars from Walmart <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah, you know. And some people would look down on me, like you know, like one time I stole some beef jerky from a casino here. When I was with this girl, and she, I think she, she was buying a can of chew, which was gross in its own measure. <laughs> yeah, but she not bought like you. a can of chew. I think it was like eleven dollars, and I just stole two beef jerkies because I was drunk, and I was like, "These mm. people, you know." And then she was like appalled. I was like, "They just charge you eleven dollars for something you get back home for like four. Yeah. And then she just yelled at me. She's like, "I can't believe you do that." Then eventually, I was like, "Hey, you hooked up with my friends who's married." <laughs> 
You committed what? adultery and you're sweating me on these two beef jerky. You know, I didn't even want to take it to that point, but eventually I was like, you were banging my friend who was married and yeah. you're mad at me for taking two beef jerkies from a billion dollar casino that just preys upon people's, yeah. you know, preys upon your your addiction. nicotine addiction and our alcohol. They're like, what are you talking about? She was just, you know, I was like, well, but we just, everyone has different, you yeah. know. It all comes from a good place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like to think it does, but I mean, I guess stealing's not good. But I mean, I have no problem stealing anything in an airport because <laughs> they have a monopoly, and you're just stuck there. And why do they charge? You know, yeah, like, yeah. is a is a soda really four seventy five? No, why do Bre- they do that? Brad yeah. Tobler's now on a watch list. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, uh, that, in, in reading that, and I I must have missed it if it was discussed in in podcasts and things, getting wrapped up in your stories and stuff. But as I was reading. That you, like you just said, you've never smoked a cigarette, you've never done an, a, a drug in your life. Mm-mm. Don't take this the wrong way, and I say things oh, odd well, yeah. odd sometimes when I mean them to be compliments, but that surprises me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because no, I know what I look like. What, no, <laughs> no, 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 I look like a stoner. No, trust yeah. me, I lived here, and I walked up and down the strip, because that was my job as a yeah. runner. Everybody, people would ask me about drugs every single day, and yeah. you know. But I don't, I just, it was just a choice. Well, like I said in the book, can, like, I thought I was going to be an NBA basketball player. Can, can you relate the story, remind you, it was the, the certificate you have on your wall? Had oh, your my dear certificate? Yeah. yeah. If you could relate that. I don't, I don't want you to do bits or yeah. read from your book, but if you could relate that, because I thought that was very interesting. Oh, just that. From, well, from a former use, daily user, I found that really amazing. Well, yeah, because like I said, I'm 40, so we did the D.A.R.E. program. But then in sixth grade, the D.A.R.E. program, it wasn't as progressive as it is now. They just told you if you do drugs, yeah, you're either going to die or you're going to go to prison. And at the time, my dad was in prison and my mom was smoking weed. And then it drove me crazy because I'm like, Mom, you're going to die, you know. And we had an opposite relationship of most mother-son because, you know, as a seventh grader in junior high, they're, tr- you know, the mom's usually trying to catch the son doing drugs. Right. And I kept catching my mom. <laughs> And I would yell at her, and like it was just the exact opposite. And then, of course, later in life, I got to high school and realized everybody did smoke yeah. weed, and it wasn't going to kill my mom. But yeah. there's a I difference the, between weed and heroin. Yeah, the Dare program put a real scare in me. And then, luckily, you know, I was an athlete or thought I was going to be an athlete. And then I was lucky to have a, a good mentor when I was a senior. When he was a senior, I was a sophomore. And where I'm from, there's no yeah. freshmen, so I got to hang out with the seniors. And this, he was just a cool dude, and he didn't drink. And then. Uh, and now it's got to a point now, like, I'm 40, and it's like, I don't know. I, you know, like, a lot of people, like, you should try mushrooms. And I'm not anti-drugs. I just, it's like I don't have a tattoo. and I. But if I got yeah. one, I'd probably be covered in them. And <laughs> if I did a drug, maybe I would. You know, and honestly, I almost did one the other I guess technically I did a little bit. But this dude gave me a piece of candy <laughs> at, like, 1 in the morning. And, I, you know, I live in Denver now. And, uh... It was my friend who I thought knew I'd never done a drug, and then so I t- take a bite of it, and it tastes a little weird. I was like, is this weed? And he's like, yeah. And I took it out of my mouth. I threw it yeah. at him, and I was like, dude, I've never done a drug. I got a certificate how, on my wall. Yeah, this isn't how it's supposed to. And my cousin, who did, from the book Who Tries to Kill My Dad with me, yeah. uh, and the most loyal dude, he it's his little brother, and then he comes over and like tries to fight him. Like, what are you doing? You don't give drugs to Brant. And I was like, <laughs> to Brant? This poor dude. Was <laughs> just, third person? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this dude was just like, uh, you know, I was like, don't worry, don't beat him up. But he wasn't, he was just trying to give me something he thought I would like. Yeah. He was trying to be nice, but, you know. Like buying know. a drink to yeah, somebody. Yeah. yeah, so he didn't know. But And I said, and you know, 
in his defense, I'm like, I'm not. I mean, it's one in the morning. You give me a piece of candy. You know, I should. You know, I'm not. Well, it doesn't say Snickers on it. I, I, I have to take the blame for it. I was wasted, but I was like, so you know, it all spiraled out of control pretty quick. I mean, I didn't feel anything. I literally, yeah, it was like a tootsie roll, and I took a bite of it, and then, but didn't swallow anything. Maybe had, you know, so I, I mean, yeah. I guess technically, but I, mean, I don't count it really. But, yeah, but no. So I just made that commitment, and then I just some weird. I could never smoke anything. So if I ever did do a drug, it would have to be an edible. But then I also live in fear of edibles because everyone tells the same story about I tried a little and I didn't feel it. So then oh, I yeah. tried more and it didn't kick in. So then I took one more, then it all kicked yeah. in. And I, you know, an hour so later, you're in the emergency room. If I knew, if I could feel like, uh, you know, I could just do a Jolly Rancher. And but I don't know. It's just to that point, like yeah. I, I think, but it sucks. I've missed out on cool, you know, because most famous comics smoke weed so there's been a lot of times when they're like hey man we're all going out to smoke weed and i'm like i'm a nerd that'll sit here at the bar and wait for you guys to come i got my dare certificate (laughs) but it's like you know i can smoke with dave Chappelle or like like your heroes you know it's like uh, i guess that'd have been all right but i mean whatever i think the takeaway (laughs) from that is uh is not don't give drugs to Brant. Yeah. Don't give drugs to anybody yeah. unless they expect it. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, because people have given me drugs a lot, but I knew it, and then I just give yeah. it to other people, or I, you know, I say, no, thank you, but, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's uh, once again, it's my fault. I, I'm not an idiot. And, uh, <laughs> you know, don't be a little chubbo that wants candy all the time. <laughs> someone gives you candy at one in the morning, and you're in Denver, Colorado, or Seattle, or L.A., you know, Look at it and ask, this also goes, just jam it down your throat. This so goes to this goes to our younger listeners too. Don't get candy from strangers. I yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was taught that, so I got. I don't blame anyone. It's my fault. I got to. Uh, it's my fault, and uh, it won't happen again. But it'll probably be like a Rice Krispie treat or something. I've I've always said that is what's going to happen. Is I just like dessert, so I'm going to be at someone's house drunk, see a tray full of brownies and Rice Krispie treats, and be like, oh, I'm going to eat one, and then the next thing you know. And then if I cross that bridge, then maybe I would, if I enjoy it, then I would do it, yeah. but it's almost just uh, keep the streak alive, which is dumb, but like, I mean, I made it four years, why start now? I have enough bad habits, so. Now, you'd mentioned Brad talking about the book, and, you know, possible movie and stuff as the genesis of you doing it is there any uh any plans in that yeah or? i mean we're trying so we wrote like uh i got a guy writing a script about it and then oh nice so you know it's one of those things like i mean i think that's the beauty of the book is it's done and it yeah. can go into anyone's hands one of your listeners might hear this buy the book and know somebody that and recommend it to one person not one of my so, listeners well or something you know <laughs> but uh or you know brad might you know brad yeah. knows about it so yeah. brad if someone could reach out to him and go hey you know so i i don't know i i, I yeah. keep that all that's just some wishful thinking i think like the girl that that i said i worked with that wrote a book they bought the screenplay made a movie bruce willis scott johansson a big movie but it bombed horribly yeah. so Part of me is like, hey, my book is just like this book, but better. But yeah. the time you try to move it with that, it bombs. So I don't know. Happen, I would like yeah. to say, so I don't know. I mean, I think part of me wants to just do a one-man show and then yeah. maybe do that. But if all it, that Hollywood stuff, I don't know. If it's, it turns into a movie, who would play you? <laughs> I was just going to ask Cast Best case is, scenario. People always ask me that, and I don't know, you know, because I – the heart of the movie is when I'm, you know, early 20s. So, but I, I just don't know who, like, the hot... Yeah. Tw- I mean, I wouldn't... 
Trust me, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be me. I know that's the one thing I was like, would you? Pl-? I was like, no, I can't act. I would have the most minimal role in there, like a PE teacher. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. something <laughs> like Stan Lee and all the Spider Man's, just like a cameo. Yeah, cameo. yeah, something. If they even if they, I wouldn't even care if they just buy the movie, you could keep yeah. me as far away. And, and the good, you know, again, trying to say a compliment, never know how it's going to come out. <laughs> There's hundreds and thousands of of great beautiful scripts that never get made yeah yeah or don't get made for a lot of time but again best case scenario if something did work out would you want to be involved in in the production all the way through or would yeah, you I would love to would you be I able would do to do everything except for the acting yeah. I would love to be I would love to help write it you know if, yeah. if a script if we could sell the script you know and then I would like to be a writer or just like uh, Con- consultant, consultant. Would, just be in the room because I'm not a big format guy. I don't know yeah. how to write a script like that part. So I would like to do that, and then, you know, honestly, I would just like to get paid. <laughs> yeah. I want to get money because yeah. I work my butt off on this, and it's my life. And they could put whatever actors in, just buy it, and then make it, and give me the money, and then uh, <laughs> you know, because my they bought that script. Harvey Weinstein bought the girl I'm talking about script for two point five yeah. million. So I don't know if she got twenty five percent of that. I don't know how that, that all goes. works, but I know that's more than I make hosting the show here tonight <laughs> at the MGM. So it's yeah, more of just get- like a financial. I would just love the freedom because I'm working on the second book that's you know getting close to done, and then I have a third and fourth, fifth book in my you know that I've started in, in the wheels. So in a way, I love doing stand up, but man, I'm just so tired of being broke. And yeah. so if the books took off. Then I probably then I'd make more doing stand up, but um, I love this book because I wake up and it, it, I just get money every day. You know, <laughs> it's not a lot of money, but it's I check yeah. my Audible account, I check my Kindle account, I check you know iTunes, uh, I check Amazon, and you know I get like four bucks a book, four fifty a book, depending on which one. But yeah. it's just it's working for me twenty four seven three six. I mean, I sell books in countries all over the world, so. I've kind of liked this book model because it's just the best employee. It works twenty four seven, three sixty five. So earning your money while yeah. you're sleeping. And I just know I think it's really good. Obviously, I'm biased, but you know I, I think it's one day away from like I, I know Joe Rogan just a little bit. But yeah. let's say I do Joe Rogan's podcast, which is two or three hours long. Yeah, he gets three million downloads a week. If I got to yeah. pitch my book for two hours on there. I think it's conservative that one percent of the, those people would buy my book, at least, and that'd be yeah. thirty thousand books, which would be a hundred and twenty thousand dollar day for me. Changed my life in a day. Yeah. So yeah. that's part of the just. Uh, once again, if you have a dream, just get it done. I don't. This book could never amount to. It could never be a movie or anything, but it also could. You know, at any yeah. time, somebody can. Like I said, somebody can hear about it. Someone could see it. Someone could. Act, I could leave one in here and have the maid take it home yeah. and not knowing, you know. So I, I believe in this age, you want to create content that you're proud of and then hope, you know, someone finds it. But even if they don't, go back to what I said, I, I have a book. Yeah. And it is so cool. And I mean, yeah. I'll, I go to my friend's house and it's on their coffee table. I don't know if they put it out because they know I'm coming over <laughs> or if it's just there, but it's there, you know, or when people, you know, when Brad Garrett sends me a text, man, I hear your book's doing good. It's like, Nice. I don't know if you made it up or not, but it's like it's cool. Yeah. But and it's just you know and you know people have just been that's the other thing people say I got it and I sat down I read it in one sitting and I'm like that's awesome you know nice. and a lot of 
my friends say the other, I, I never read but i liked your yeah. book i was like cool so you uh you said you're working on the second one right? yeah and then you have like three more after that, that you yeah want? so are they in order like no well like, so the second one that's almost done is called you couldn't and you wouldn't yeah and it's about 10 girls that i had sex with that most dudes <laughs> couldn't and then 10 girls I had sex with that most dudes wanted. <laughs> so it's like, so like on the couldn't side, it's like a billionaire's daughter, a professional cheerleader, porn star, I'm uh, gonna- interracial, 20 years younger fan. And then on the couldn't side, it's like massage parlor, American hooker, international hooker, married woman, grandma. <laughs> So oh my god like, uh, i love it yeah it's, I, I think it's and i'm really i think it'll you know they always say sex sells but it's not uh it's a very vulnerable book it's and that's why i did the kuna and wouldn't because i don't want to I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a super good looking dude i don't i'm not a huge I, i'm not some you know brad pitt but i have some good stories yeah and they're entertaining. You know, a lot of them are funny about how bad I am at sex. <laughs> not. Please, please tell me you keep all the names in that oh, book. No, no, no. I take them all out. But, uh, um, yeah, there's going to be some girls. I th- I, you know, in the acknowledgement, I started writing the acknowledgement of that. I'm like, I think half these books are just going to be bought by girls that I've had sex with just seeing if they are in the books. So. Yeah. But so then that one is that. And then... Um, how close are you to completion? Or are you done? It's close. It's like I'm at once again. My goal is like to get to sixty five thousand and start editing. I'm at about sixty two, so I'm hoping to finish it next week and then start the editing process. Now let me ask you: When did you start that project? You know, I started it during the last book. Gotcha. Because you get so tired of looking at your first book, fresh eyes. Yeah. So yeah. then on now the third one is called uh, tentatively called Diary of a Piece of S Word. I don't want to curse on here. <laughs> The Diary of a Piece of S-Word, and uh, then it has, you know, 17 stories that, you know, like when I stole the Vanderjack jersey, and like, <laughs> just like crazy stuff great, I've great done. Great, story. That are just like, uh, kind of, you know, some of them will make me like, oh, this kid was a punk. Yeah. But, you know, it's just vulnerable, and I think they're funny, and then uh, and then after that, uh, the rest are like nonfiction books that I've thought of, because um, my brain thinks like... The mafia story, that's how my brain thinks. So I've came up with scams that I've got close to running in life. Yeah. But, you know, I think they were kind of, uh, if they would have worked, they'd worked. But there are also some risk to them. So I've decided not to yeah. live them out, just write them out as a book as if I did it. So, But I don't know, writing nonfiction will be a whole, you know, these are, this is easy for me to write this one is because. I, these last two because I just write about what I yeah. did. Yeah, so the other one, you're, the other ones are fiction. The the next three after that the, that are just ideas. Yeah, tentative ideas are just fiction, fiction or just okay. stuff that I wanted to do or thought would be like a million dollar scheme, but I yeah. just didn't do it. So I'm going to write it like. Yeah, going back to book two, and I'm sorry, uh-huh. we're yeah. jumping. Around. I think oh. I'm going to change the name of the podcast from Mile High Show to Tangents because <laughs> you just kind of bounce around. My brain doesn't work in order either. No. Uh, you started it in the process of free roll, and as you're wrapping it up, I mean, this last three months in the news with Weinstein, yeah, yeah. you came up. Was there any? Yeah, did you have no, any there thinking? Is. There definitely is that, just because some of the stories in there. You know, there's one story I did just take out because, like, God, that's so creepy. And it was, you know, <laughs> even at the time, it was creepy, but it was a different climate. I was yeah. young is what I would defend it, but I still wouldn't defend it. Like, yeah. I shouldn't have done it. 
whatever. It wasn't rape or anything. It was just a, a creepy, like a, a teenager. I still shouldn't have done it, but um, I don't need that in print. But they're, you know, in this <laughs> book. But just in this, out there in the on book, audio. I'm pretty vulnerable about like, you know, there's never rape. I'm never, I'm not very aggressive making the first move. So there's never not, nothing like that. But I mean, I've done some some weird stuff. So, you know. It, it definitely it's it's definitely a good question that I think yeah. I think once again I'll finish it and then I'll go back to the three girls that I trusted with the first book yeah and they know and they'll read it over and then uh, I really trust their instincts and what they say and as women yeah and then uh, and then um, I I probably I, I I pretty much listened to everything they said yeah. the first time one, we had one. Not argument, but one one joke I wanted to stick with, and one girl thought I should definitely get rid of it. But then she gave it to. She lives in New York, so she had a group of like ten women in their like late forties read it, like pretentious rich white women, which are mm-hmm. usually the, the enemy or the ones that <laughs> complain. And they stayed on my side and said, "No, we we actually like that joke." And she's like, "I had to concede." And I was like, "I thought oh, it would wow. go." How did that 10. make you feel? Yeah, good. I mean, I guess it was, I <laughs> it's was like just, you I won. Was surprised, yeah, yeah. I was just surprised because I was like, "Oh, okay, that's great." You know, like I, I well, I mean, I was gonna do it, whatever. That was the beauty of self-publishing this book and doing it my yeah. own way. Is no one can tell me. I mean, I, I respect her opinion, and ninety-nine percent of what she told me was right. This is the one that we just. But then yeah. in the end, she did agree on it. So, but we were we had a very good working relationship where she. You know, she didn't. She realized it's my book. I'll do whatever I want. So she treaded lightly with that, which she didn't need to, because by the end, I was like, "No, I trust you. You you want what's best for me. I believe you. Yeah. If you say it, I'm going to do it." You know. So, uh, just another thing. You know, once again, just working with people yeah. and just trust them. You know, I've had that problem with some people in my life. When I tell them to do something, it's not trying to control him it's because i want what's best for him and then right. he'll come back to me later in life and be like man you were right about that i was like yeah and of course i was because i'm your best friend and i don't want anything or my, your boyfriend or something you know i've always tend to date younger girls so when i'm 30 dating a 20 year old i'm like you don't need to do that and then they're right. like my friends are saying you're trying to control me i'm like babe i no, promise that, yeah. this is i just don't want something bad to happen. I mean, you know part of it you got to let people live and learn and sometimes yeah. they would do it anyway and then they would be like you were right i was like yeah i don't <laughs> tell you this to say i'm right i tell you this because i you know but, i love yeah, you i don't want it to happen you. so yeah and that's why i knew with my friends with this book i knew you know that we kind of formed a team and i knew anything they said you know i i, I just i think that's a part of it having a team you trust on any project get people around you you know because I, I am surrounded by a lot of celebrities and they get bad advice because no one can tell them no and I figured this out a long time ago. All my celebrity friends, they either everyone around them either owes them money or they make money for you know like yeah. managers, agents, blah, blah blah, or like you know if you have a famous comic friend, they loan like the broke comics money because you need it to survive. Yeah. So, but then none of those people or girls want to hook up with them or dudes want to hook up with the girl. So no one tells them no on anything, you know. <laughs> and it's like I don't think it's. You know, you need to keep people in your life to not think you're always right because you're never going to be always right. Keep you in check, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, you know, once again, I just always reinforce that. If you 
I'm just, whoever's listening, I'm sure you have a dream. You're going to work on something. Yeah. Hope this inspires you. Like I said, I'm an idiot. I had no business writing a book. I'm about to finish my second one. So whatever you're thinking, you can do it. Yeah. But just start doing it. And then surround yourself with people. That'll and Don't be scared to ask for help because you need it. <laughs> yeah, you had a phrase in, in when you were talking about your junior college days, the 13th grade. Yeah. <laughs> and the drop out of the 13th grade. That's what ours was. Yeah. I went there and ended up teaching some classes Never graduated, but it was uh, Chabot College in Hayward, California. Yeah, yeah, that's it what it was. Chablouit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hesperian High. It was on Hesperian Boulevard, and the thirteenth grade is yeah. the only way people ever. Well, yeah, that's my favorite joke in there, is because my college, you know, in my hometown, which was essentially a couple miles from my high school, really yeah. was thirteenth grade, but it was called L Triple C, which stood for last. Uh, Laramie County Community College, but it was called Last Chance Community College. <laughs> That's what I talk about in the book. I dropped out twice of last. I had two last chances there, and still, <laughs> then I went to Phoenix and dropped out. But yeah, college. And I, was, I was talking about it with somebody last night. Like college isn't for everybody. And back then, you were just taught like you graduate high school, you're supposed to go to college. I should have never gone to college. Yeah. It was a waste of my time, the people's time, ton of money. To me, unless you're specialized or you know what you want to do, like. That's why I got frustrated with. I was just maybe a P teacher. What are these requirement yeah. classes with three hundred dollar books? Why do I have to buy? It? I, what, I, I just know, need a whistle. Just need to throw a dodgeball on a whistle. Like why? Uh, so well, I'm going to put this up uh, probably tomorrow afternoon when we get back. When cool. I get back to the area, uh, where can folks so see I'll you live? Be in Boise, uh, Idaho, next weekend, like 14th, 15th, 16th, with uh, one of my best friends. Very funny, Andrew Slater is recording a CD. Oh, nice. So, and then I'll be in Phoenix, um, the 18th through the 26th. I'll probably do you doing shows, but I'm for sure at Tempe Improv the 21st with Ian Bag, and then Stand Up Live 22nd and 23rd with Ian Bag um, at Stand Up Live downtown. And then uh, 2018, I haven't booked anything yet because I don't. I'm wanting to finish this gotcha. book, and I'm gonna. I might change my. I think I'm gonna spend a lot of time trying to promote the book. Gotcha. Instead of take these crappy road gigs. And that and book, tr- Free Roll, man, we barely scratch the surface yeah. intentionally. Yeah. Because the the struggles of a single mom, a deadbeat dad, yeah. your time here in Vegas running yeah. huge amounts of Hundreds money of up and down. Thousands of dollars, <laughs> attempted murder. It, it's a. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm just very proud of it. I think you'll, yeah. you will. If you go to Amazon, it's got like 95 yeah. five-star reviews. One lady gave it four for whatever reason, but <laughs> the rest are five. But Maybe she knew your dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I good. gave him hepatitis yeah, C. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. It's I uh, If you're looking for a good book to listen to or uh, read, uh, it's a good Christmas gift. Again, mm-hmm. Brant Tobler's free roll. You can get it at milehighshow.com using that Amazon link. Yeah. Or go to branttobler.com. Uh, again, Twitter, Instagram. Twitter, everything's Brant. Just at Brant Tobler. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, just send me a message. If I'm anywhere and you see me and you want tickets, well, besides Las Vegas, because this <laughs> comedy club is like the most expensive one, but uh, pretty much anywhere else in the country, if I'm coming to your town, shoot me a message. I'll always leave you free tickets sweet. if they let me because yeah. I get people. It's so sweet. People are like, oh, I don't want to take money out of your pocket. I'm like, they pay me the same crap rate. <laughs> Anywhere. So if you bought a book and I can give you a free ticket, you don't even have to buy a book, but if I can just give you a free ticket, I always, always will. So, Well, great. Thanks for making time. Yeah, I know you got a show tonight. Coming all up here and hanging out with you. In it's this awesome. beautiful room, it looks like Brad Garrett and his <laughs> yeah. folks are really taking care yeah, of you. Yeah, this club is the best. And uh, we're at the MGM Grand, yeah. Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. 
Uh, I'll have links to all that and links to your stuff in the Perfect. show notes. Justin Tejan, thanks for sitting in. Brant, been a Thank pleasure. You guys. Thanks, thanks so much. Rolling on a river. Rolling on the river.